So do we want to fucking talk about Predestination? Because this was a hell of a movie. It was a fucking hell of a jam of a romp. It was a goddamn adventure. Yes, it was. It was a hero's journey wrapped up in a queero's journey. (laughs) Are you ready? Sure. Hello and welcome to Unsound Theories. I'm Kat. I'm Kira. And we watch movies with no sound and no subtitles and try to figure out what the hell is going on. Spoiler, we don't. Predestination. Predestination. Yes. Um, it's a time travel movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a time travel movie. It's there's a lot that happens in this movie. There's... And when you think it's finished with how Buck Wild it's going to get, it's like, oh, you thought that was it? Surprise! Here's another one. Yeah, this goes beyond Buck Wild and enters Buck the Fuck Wild territory. <laughs> it enters the kind of territory that you enter when you have gone like 36 hours without sleep. Yeah, it it's absolutely wild bonkers so it's like where you like accidentally take too much adhd medicine and you get wired on that and then you just don't sleep yeah except that doesn't happen to me because adhd meds usually make me sleepy (laughs) oh see like i okay so like they have me on like a stimulant in order to like get me to focus on stuff rather than a depressant to calm me down yeah adderall makes me sleepy yes i'm not on adderall Uh. um anyway movie so um yeah so it's about time travel yeah uh my i where do we even fucking start well we start in the far-flung future year of 1995 do we start there I'm pretty sure that the start of the movie, because that's where they travel back to when they travel back to the present, air quotes, is 1995. Okay. So... The far-flung future of 1995. Yeah. So... No, it starts off in, like, the, like, 1975 or something. Oh, you're right. It's It starts off in 75... Or 63? With the bombing attempt? I don't remember the dates. Where... Okay, so the years in this are very important. Are they? Fairly? I mean... So, like, okay, so basically the movie is all about setting up a stable time loop. Yeah. Which is weird and hard to follow. And So it starts off with someone in a trench coat and fedora looking like Humphrey Bogart trying to disarm a bomb. Exactly. By putting it into, like, a briefcase that opens up into a, like, bomb disposal unit. Yeah. But they get shot at by someone else in disguise. Yeah. The bomb blows up, and they end up pulling an Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, they get hard. They get real burned. 
face face gonzo done, done with face this person um and then they wake up back in 1995 after their violin case is pushed towards them yes the violin case is their time machine. Yes, so they use like a violin case where the combination lock on the case is actually set to days, weeks, and years, and times, and everything like that, and that's how you time travel. Right. It's actually a pretty interesting time travel mechanic. Mechanic. Sorry, I'm in the middle of designing a game, so I'm thinking in terms of game mechanics. <laughs> <laughs> Keep an eye out for that one. Uh, yeah. I've written, like, three pages worth of stuff for this thing already. Like, it's it's going to be a fairly straightforward Powered by the Apocalypse system type game. We're not going to have, like, the absurdly detailed stuff that you get in, like, um, Monster of the Week or anything like that. But it'll be, like, you know, one of the leaner PBTAs. Right, 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 right. Anyway... So, yeah, so the time travel mechanism, not mechanic, the time travel mechanism is that violin case. Yes. Um, and so Duder ends up, like, back, wakes up in a hospital bed, covered in bandages. Fortunately, not these. Yes. So... Oh, yeah, he's got the bandages on his face. Yeah, yeah. and then, like, like eventually gets the bandages taken off and has a, a new face. The, the face of Ethan Hawke. They've taken the face of Ethan Hawke and put it on this other man. <laughs> um, so Little known fact, Ethan Hawke was actually killed in the making of this movie. <laughs> As they Which is why face. they still cast Tom Cruise in things instead of just using Ethan Hawke. Exactly. So Ethan Hawke has been dead since 1995. Yeah. And it's just this guy fulfilling all of his acting contracts. Yep. In order to preserve the timeline. Exactly. This movie is actually a documentary. <laughs> like all movies we watch on Unzone Theories. <laughs> Uh, I do have some very good ideas for how this slots into the Unsound Theoryverse. We can talk about those in a little bit when we when we get to the relevant plot points. Okay, so Ethan Hawke. So he's he has to go back in time and be a bartender in what I assume is the seventies. It was it is nineteen seventy. Yeah, it says it on his cool watch that tells him the year. Right. See, I zoned out <laughs> you can also tell from the fashion yes the fashion was what gave it away for me yeah i mean i could tell it was definitely the 70s before and then he, he checks his watch and it's 1970 and i don't know why he has been sent back in time to be a bartender i so they show us like newspaper clippings of like the the frizzle bomber or something like that and like that dude's whole deal is that he <laughs> the blows Ms. up buildings. The Miss Frizzle Bomber. He blows up buildings to teach Arnold a lesson. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, shit. I don't know if I told you about this. There's a theory that Miss Frizzle is a time traveler. I've seen that, yeah. And that, like, her whole deal is that she's Arnold grown up and Arnold transitioned and then, oh, like, went okay. back in time to teach herself. Okay, I am... To make herself brave so she could, you know, one day understand who she really was. I fully support this theory. That's support... basically what this movie is. Yeah, is a little bit. This movie Actually, is the magic school bus. 
This movie is the magic school bus if you take that Arnold transition theory into account. And then also, like, put it into a taffy puller. And somehow add in some weird magic biology that shouldn't work. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that. (laughs) We will talk. We'll fucking fucking talk about that, Kat. Trust me. I was a biology major. We're gonna fucking talk about that. (laughs) This <laughs> is such a fucking weird thing to have happen. I legitimately don't understand why they thought like, yeah, no, this this works, this works, right? Maybe maybe they're like counting on the ev- involvement of extremely cool 1995 technology. Okay, but this movie came out in like 2014, so they would have known what technology 1995 had. Well, 1995 also didn't have fucking time travel machines in violin cases, so like, we're already in an alternate history. True. Do you think they could only travel back in time? I don't know. Or do you think they had forward time travel abilities, and that's where they learned how to clone replacement boy tubes? Well, no, because they get they had to be able to go forward because right i just don't know if you could only go forward to the point that like to the point where time travel was invented or or to the point where you like you existed in the normal they it's not explained in any meaningful way (laughs) via like visuals so i'm sure there was some sort of dialogue that explained it or they actually did just travel forward to make cloned boy tubes cloned boy tubes is the name of my band (laughs) so anyway so um, oh where the fuck so our our protag deuteragonist Deuteragonist slash protagonist is in the bar being a bartender. Yeah, for unspecified or perhaps verbally specified reasons. We believe it's to do... I believe it's to do with this investigation of the Miss Frizzle Bomber. (laughs) Yes, yes. I I mean, yeah, it has to be, right? I would assume so. There's a point where, like, a news bit about the Miss Frizzle Bomber is on the TV and, like, the camera cuts to it ominously yes and he like looks at it and then looks away not 100 percent sure here but what the important part is while he's bartending a man who i initially did think was leonardo dicaprio sits down at the bar i did too very briefly <laughs> yeah uh, there's a little yeah there's a brief period where it was like oh they got leonardo dicaprio so i like kind of like immediately was like this guy is suspicious you know he has like this like shifty look about him what's his deal so our bartender is talking to his patron yes and who begins telling his life story yeah they obviously like hit it off real well as friends Mm -hmm. and and confidants right so they we get, seem to understand each other very well. We get like fucking 40 minutes of backstory on this dude. Yes. Um, so I, I did want to like, I have a question here. And this is just a time I... travel question Okay. F- about this time travel agency. Yes. Do you think when they discover time travel, someone was like, okay, if we're going to do this right and set up a time travel investigation bureau for the federal government, do we go back in time to like 
1860, buy property in New York, and then use the money that comes from the maturity of the rental property over the next like couple hundred, like the next hundo years to finance the agency. So is it like a self-financing enterprise where they only have the money that they have because they financed it by going back in time and buying up property in Manhattan when it was cheap? That would fit with the rest of the movie. So like that's how they have hideouts is that there's like a bunch of rental properties that this bureau owns throughout time. Yes, exactly. So Um, really, they're bad guys because they're cops and landlords. God. What a fucking nightmare bureau. The Bureau of Nightmares. The Bureau of Cops and Landlords. (laughs) Cops and Landlords is my least favorite childhood game. Cops and Landlords, incidentally. (laughs) Nope, that's not a band I'm going to be in. Never mind. (laughs) Um, So we find out that Duder... That that the uh, not Leonardo DiCaprio is trans and yeah, so it was starts off as with a girl. Yeah, so like there's a lot that's happening here, and it's like it's a lot of like very trans trauma. Yeah, like it, it's a lot of like never fitting in with the other girls and getting bullied for it. And weirdly having super strength. I think she just like worked out a lot. I don't know. There's definitely a point where like six year old girl version fucking punches the headlight out of a car. Yeah, no, that was weird. They never quite explained that one. And keeps like one hit knocking like one punch knockout on people. Yeah, no, he's definitely one punch man. Yeah, the one punch man. That's I don't. It was weird. That's kind of this movie, though. It was weird. The movie. Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot of, like, very complicated gender feels. Yeah. A lot of that. Um, uh, I, I wrote in my notes, if we go back in time and abolish gender, we end all crime. That's just facts. That is. That is um, established scientific Scientific fact. fact. And remember... I was a biology major. I know about scientific fact. There you go. It's exactly. confirmed. From, a, from an actual scientist, if we go back in time and abolish gender, we get rid of crime. You heard it here first, folks. Breaking news. Yeah. Gender abolished to remove crime. Exactly. But it has to be in the past. Okay, how far back do you have to go in abolishing gender? Um, I, it, it differs depending on like who you ask. Um, I've seen a few different uh, like papers on it, but most scientists, I would say, uh, most scientists agree on um, 1642 being the the latest you want to do it. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder have has models been done on destroying gender in the pre-Columbian period? I mean, you like 1642 is the latest. You could do it earlier. Right, right. Um, but you you run into a situation where the farther back you go in time, um, the harder it is to abolish gender. And we don't fully understand why this is. Uh, um, I mean, I'm sure there's a few theories, but 
that just, that's just sort of how the math works out. And and sixteen forty two is like the optimal point. Okay, so sixteen forty two is the optimal point wherein, in doing so, you've effectively neutralized the resurgence. But if you do it before, there's a chance of a resurgence during like the Enlightenment period. Well, if you do it before, it's it's just like diminishing returns for how much, uh, for for how like how much effort and energy you have to put into abolishing gender versus how much uh benefit you get from that interesting yeah welcome to my ted talk (laughs) do you think if you do a ted talk in a in like a small building next to your house that houses gardening tools you've qualified it as a shed talk (laughs) and will you be giving your ted talk as a shed talk shed talks are what um snake parents have with their children oh right right before snooberty which is snake <laughs> puberty <laughs> we're so fucking what are we doing <laughs> just like this movie was there's so like, weird there's like weirdly not a lot to talk about it but also so much to talk about yeah so um like basically the two guys go through um our trans friend's life story mm-hmm. um at one point he gets pregnant yeah he tries to work for like a space agency yeah and then gets fired for getting into a fight i think right that's the vibe that i got yeah and then becomes like a housekeeper and like yeah a stenographer and then gets and then gets pregnant throughout there's a, a scar boy who has a scar on his face and I thought that he worked for Time Squad, um, and then it eventually turns out he does work for Time Squad. So I was right yes. there. I called yeah, it. Yeah, no, that I fucking that, called it. The um, mustache suitman. Yeah. The Walt Disney looking motherfucker. Yeah. I think I called him Scarface. Oh, I called him Walt Disney. I did love that in the bar scene when he was disguised as a bartender, he used exactly the same. <laughs> disguise technique as Laszlo in what we do in the shadows. (laughs) (laughs) I love that show. You just, (laughs) have you seen that episode where he like runs away and becomes a bartender in a small town and his disguise is that he has, he just has a toothpick in his mouth and nobody can tell it's him. (laughs) Oh god, it, that show is so funny. <laughs> I love it so much. Anyway. Fun fact, filmed in Toronto. Nice. Uh, sh- Emma would be mad at me if I didn't point that out. Fair, fair. Um, so, pregnancy. I feel like it, they, the movie didn't go in depth enough into dissecting that trauma. Yeah. Because, like, I, I, it, I mean, it really depends. But, like, I have to imagine for a number of trans men that getting pregnant pretty fucking traumatic. Yeah, I have to question whether or not, like, like was this an unknowing egg situation? I, I really don't... So, uh, the whole thing the is, other, like... Okay, the, here's the, the other question I had was, is this a transition that he wanted, or was this forced on him by doctors after, like, a difficult pregnancy or something? That was the question that I had, too. Because, like, it doesn't feel like... It it seems like Walt Disney was behind this whole transition plan. 
Yeah. And I'm like, I, I, I really want to watch this I, with the sound on to try to figure out what the fuck that was all about. Yeah. Because, like, he gives birth and then immediately they're like, okay, well, um, baby disappeared. Oh, yeah. The baby disappears. Yes. You see, like, an on- ominous figure depart, like, steal the baby out of the hospital. And, like, I, I, it feels like they're like, oh, by the way, you can't ever have kids again, so do you want to be a man instead? Yeah, so, something like that. Like, something contrived and stupid that, like, I don't know. There was a lot that was, like, very uncomfortable about this movie. Yeah. Like, I got the distinct sense that, like... No trans people were talked to while they were making this well, fucking movie? That and just, like, I got the distinct sense is that, like, dude didn't want to be a dude. Yeah, that kind of felt like... the That was kind of the vibe that I got, too. Yeah, just based on, like, their whole deal, visually. I don't know, um, like... It was, like, a weird thing with, like, androgyny and shit. Um, Yeah. There's a lot to unpack there. A whole lot to unpack there. So fucking much to unpack there. But we're not done yet with the fuckery. No. Literally the fuckery, as it were. Yeah. So... So, Yeah, do you want to take this part? So, time, Time Boy and Trans Boy... Also, let's talk. I do want to take a brief moment to talk about how I actually ended up learning a little bit more about phalloplasties because I Googled it in the middle of watching this movie. Nice. So apparently they've been doing phalloplasties since like the 40s. Damn. The kind of like the basically the more advanced kind of phalloplasties that they're doing have kind of in some way been around since the 70s, which lines up with the timeline. Yeah. Other than the part that we'll get to in a this... little bit, which yeah, just mm. yeah. also when they do hysterectomies, they don't leave scars like that. Well, maybe they did in like 1963. So yeah, he gets boyified, gets surgically boyified, surgical boyification. <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't know if this is a case of forced ma- masculinization, um, but. That so then we if we go back to the bar, and Time Boy, Ethan Hawke brings Trans Boy into the basement with him. Mm-hmm. Fucking locks the door, which is ominous as fuck. Yeah, pulls a gun again. Uh, ominous as fuck. Yeah. I so was... like the thing that we've had set up thus far is that maybe this trans guy is the the. The Miss Frizzle Bomber. Have we had that set up? That's the vibe I got. Okay. What made you think that? So, like, you know, the the thought that I had... So, like, the because he's sent back in time to investigate the bomber. There's a thing about the bomber that shows up on the TV right before the guy enters the bar. Right. Like, it's all setting up that this guy is actually the bomber and that he was sent back in time to kill him then and there. Okay, yeah. Um, but that's not what happens. No, instead, he reveals that he's a time traveler. Yeah. And they go on a time journey together. To his to, past. To his past. And he meets his former pre-transition self. They hit think, it off. Like, I think, yeah. They hit it off. They fuck and make a baby. 
that is how she got pregnancy. Which is, this is where we're talking about the cloned boy tubes, because yeah, so, how did... So... Uh, hey, predestination. Hey, predestination. So, that's that's not, not how it works. That's that's not how that you, it, no, it's no. You don't know. It's not that. It's the thing. It's not that. You, we all wish it was that, but it's not. So you don't. Y- no, you don't. You don't get. You don't get replacement internal gubbings just by. <laughs> fucking getting sir do you think they gave him testosterone at all i don't think so i don't think they needed to if they got working boy parts he had his own testosterone factories true true do you think that was like some weird future technology shit that's why i was questioning or from post 1995 via future travel yeah, that's a good... Uh, they don't... I mean, maybe they verbally explain it. I don't know. Anyway, dude gets his own past self pregnant, who then gives birth to Baby. Baby is stolen, we find out, stolen by Ethan Hawke, and he takes the baby back into the past and gives it to the orphanage where the little girl grew up. It's... get. So he he fucked himself, got himself pregnant, gave birth to and then gave birth to himself. Yeah. Oh, that's but it's not not over yet. We're not done with the fuckery yet. So it turns out that uh, our trans friend is the agent from the beginning of the movie. Yes. Who got Anakin Skywalkered? Yes. Which means. Ethan Hawke man is trans man. I don't... We didn't get there yet. We haven't gotten to that point yet in the movie. It hasn't... It hasn't, like... it. But there's, like, a whole bunch of other stuff that happens before then. But we have to, like, at this point, because we know Ethan Hawke man is burn boy with a new face. Do we? Yeah. It's... I guess. Because I, I, he starts as Burn Boy and gets a new face. And right, he gets the Ethan new... Hawke face. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so, no, at this point, we, I, I hadn't made the connection until I saw the scars at the end of the movie. Fair. What I don't fully understand is, like, in the bar scene, he had to have recognized his past self, right? Yes, he was playing along with it to close the time loop. Okay. That part with the bartender was necessary to recruit himself to... Into Time Force. The Time Force. Time Squad. Time Squad. Remember that show on Cartoon Network? That was a good show. They traveled back through time and did a bunch of, like, save the timeline including one episode where they convinced the Earl of Sandwich to name a sandwich a sandwich. Nice. This is basically Looper, but make it trans. Trooper. (laughs) 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 Oh, cat. But not super troopers, because that's a whole different thing. That's a whole different and much, much, much more 14-year-old boy movie. I... I had a hard time with this movie because there's only like three 
characters that aren't just like rando background people. Right. And one of them is Walt Disney. One of them is Walt Disney. I thought Walt Disney was Ethan Hawke for a very long time. No, but see, I see, so can't recognize faces. <laughs> I, I, I do know that you have that problem. <laughs> so I was I like, I literally was just like, I was trying so hard. And then he eventually meets his future self. Who turns out to be the Miss Frizzle Bomber. Yeah. And I like, I was literally like, like they were talking and like the camera was cutting back between them. And I was like, seriously, like, intently like comparing facial features like all right there's a specific i was struggling with it too and yeah that was that was i i had a real hard time with that so really the whole movie is just about one trans guy one dude yeah going through a whole bunch of trauma yeah and ending up becoming a crazed bomber because of it and like i think the implication so like the vibe that i got was the implication was that if he hadn't been able to bomb that building in 1975 someone within that building would have like gone on to commit worse atrocities or something like that that's that's what that's the impression i got was like the bombings were like the series of bombings that he's trying to investigate were actually him trying to preserve a better future like trying to prevent something worse yeah right Which and is, like yeah that's that's valid yeah that's that's a cool like sci-fi time travel premise yeah no absolutely and like it ended up being like i don't know i had fun with this movie I, a lot of yeah. it was uh what kind of fun yeah and there and there's a lot of a lot of gender feels involved yeah um I a lot still of continuing to hate walt disney yes i still don't fully like the fucking like super strength thing is, yeah there's little elements that i don't quite follow and like, the super strength is definitely one of them yeah i don't fully maybe okay so this i i believe time squad is like engineering the perfect time travel agent right right by making him his own mother and father yeah so maybe when they gave him his like super cool brand new hot off the 1995 presses turbo (laughs) pee-pee The old turbo PP, they did some genetic engineering with the sperm, and that's what there's like a like it's like a super soldier subplot thing. Oh, which, so they like loaded up the they loaded up his balls with like one shot to get himself pregnant. Yeah, and it was super soldier serum. Yeah, super soldier semen, <laughs> semen serum, <laughs> super soldier semen syrup. <laughs> His boy syrup. <laughs> I have that. You s- yes, I have seen O oh boy syrup. Okay, good. I want to make sure you've seen O oh boy syrup. <laughs> okay. But yeah, no. So like the twist is that he was himself the entire movie. Yeah. What we thought was three different characters is actually one character in different points in their life. Mm-hmm. So 
that's that movie and none of them were joseph gordon levitt yeah yeah that was a movie um what the fuck we have to talk about the genetics of giving birth to yourself okay you're the biology student completely aside from the the problems with like actually making a fertilized egg out of one person when gametes are created Mm -hmm. when your when your body makes sperm and egg part of the randomization like there's there's shuffling of genes that go into busting those uh chromosomes apart and things get moved around right it's why you know siblings are different that's how you get yeah that's how you get variation so you can't really reliably reproduce yourself from fucking yourself yeah you you can't get a clone situation that way but you can with magic boy syrup from the future i guess they have do you think oh boy syrup is actually magic cum that makes super soldiers but only if inserted to into special artificially created in 1995 balls it has to be yeah and like they accidentally overproduced because they didn't <laughs> realize they, they didn't so now they times it how, how many tries it would take to get this right. right turns out they got it on first try on try one uh so they have a lot of extra super soldier come and they're which they just put on shelves and sell as oh boy syrup they didn't have to go back in time to get real estate they just sold their extra boy syrup <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> we have completely gone. we have gone off the rails entirely uh, no this movie no. was off the fucking rails let's be yeah. real it's not just us it's this movie Cat. This movie did this to us. Cat. Kira. Do you think this, like, existing semi-outside-of-time agency is the manufacturer of neck drug? And the time agents exist to protect their corporate interests throughout time. Which is why the time agents were those pirates on the moon. Exactly. I see. Yes. And, okay, here's the other thing. Okay. This explains the super strength. Because it's all formulated from neck drug. Yeah, they mixed neck drug into the genetics. Interesting. Yes. All this could have been prevented if the US government hadn't killed Flopjaw. Yep. That's why Flopjaw came to Earth, was to prevent us from getting addicted to neck drug. Yep, it didn't work. We squandered that opportunity by murdering her. Yep. With nukes, I think. Uh... I don't remember. (laughs) Uh, Maybe I'm conflating it with Godzilla. Uh, There was something about... I I remember remember Flopjaw had antimatter armor or something like that. Right. Because that was the only thing that could protect her from neck drug injections. Do you think (laughs) Flopjaw was created by Neck Drug Incorporated and sent back in time to fail at stopping neck drug thereby accelerating the production of neck drug and we have another time loop which this company we know is fond of yes they are very fond of their stable loops yeah it's entirely possible i think it's not only possible i think it's probable i guess the question then becomes like was flop joe's crusade against drunk driving just a front to increase consumption of neck drug and decrease consumption of alcohol? Fuck. Cat. Fuck.
I think you've nailed it. Drink alcohol so you don't become addicted to neck drug. Yeah. But still don't drive, because... Still don't, still don't drive. Definitely don't drive, please. Please don't drive. Like, even if you've gotten away with it before, it's not worth it. Don't. It just don't. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because Flopjaw will still kill you, even if it's in service of promoting neck drug use. <laughs> now I keep thinking about don't you put it in your mouth and how I made you watch that and it ruined your day. Well, the thing is, this ties in too, because we already said that the, the Super Balls were only loaded with one go round of boy syrup. Boy syrup. So you don't put that in your mouth you can't waste it like that that's a good point yeah the, the ad says don't you put it in your mouth unless you ask someone you love yeah specifically your yourself squad handler oh also that yeah <laughs> okay do we want to go to the like I, we call it a mid-roll but it's really more of a two-thirds roll Okay, uh, one thing that I do want to talk about is I have, when this airs, I have a game jam going right now for solo RPGs. So basically tabletop RPGs that you can play alone. And that is going until August 17th. So if you'd like to join that game jam, we'll leave a link in the show notes or check the hashtag on Twitter, hashtag solo games jam. Ding! There's this one journal RPG that I bought recently called The Machine. Yeah. Where, like, you take turns writing in a journal and you mail it to the next player. Ooh. You have to end your journal entry on an incomplete sentence. And then the next player gets the journal. They have to pick, like, certain characteristics that haven't been chosen yet. And they talk about their draw to the machine and everything like that. And, like, it goes through. And then once you've finished and everyone's written in the journal, the last person to have it, like, transcribes the journal or reads it to everyone who is involved in the game. And then you destroy the journal. Interesting. It's a really cool looking game and I really want to play it. I just need to buy a notebook for people to use as the journal. Yes. Anyway, Emma will cut most of this out. Yeah, exactly. That's the important Uh, part. Okay, do we want to do our coffee ad here? Interior, the mess hall and the orum. Man, it sure is great to wake up to a nice refreshing cup of coffee. Wait, who are you talking to? Why, Plex, our wonderful listeners, of course. (laughs) Course. Just like the coarse grind I get on my coffee from Grinding Coffee Co. What kind of spice are you on? Listeners? Coffee? Why, the delicious spice of my medium roast Mexican chocolate coffee blend, my friend, delivered straight to our airlock in an airtight bag. The beans are as fresh as the day they were roasted. I'm so confused. You're not talking any sense. I'm talking about Grindin' Coffee Co. Why don't you tell her and our dear listeners a little bit more, Miss Narrator? Thanks, Space Dumpster. Grinding Coffee Co. is a black and LGBTQ plus owned coffee business that delivers coffee straight to your door. They have a coffee for everyone from K-cups to cold brew to blended and more. Available in whole bean, ground, or espresso grind. I did not sign up to be on a haunted ship. No matter what time you order, your coffee is always roasted the day it ships, so you're guaranteed fresh coffee. 
When you're ready to get yourself some fine coffee, head over to the referral link in the show notes and enter code SOSA as a checkout for 10% off your order. Oh, what the actual criff. Hang on, hang on. Fucking, I need to take a quick screenshot here because my waveforms look like a fucking Thai bomber. So do you mean a um, a Thai SA? Yeah. I just sent you a little screenshot. Oh, yeah, they do look like a Thai SA. <laughs> Fun fact, the Thai SA is for sale from Sinar Fleet Systems for a total of 110,000 credits. That's an absolute bargain. I'm going to get one myself. It's a real bargain. If you call up the crew of the Aurum, they'll be there with a contract for you to sign. Everyone should listen to Chicks with Dice. It's, it's such a good show. It's so fucking good. Did you listen to episode four of Dark Side? Because, oh my I have god. Not yet. They legitimately went, like, it was longer on the recording, but in the edited down version for what made it into the show, it took them 56 minutes before they rolled their first success. Oh my god. And they did not, like, go a long time without rolling. They tried to lie their asses off. Well, they're not as good at it as us. But, like, that's the thing. Um, Plex, Aaron's character, is entirely designed around being a good liar. <laughs> they just had dog shit rolls. That's, like, that's what makes RPGs fun. Aaron rolled, and I'm not kidding when I say this, eight advantages and three failures. Jesus Christ. Not a single success. Hey listeners, Kat and Kira finally managed to get a useful mid-roll, so I'll just be here for a quick second. I want to take a moment to thank a Patreon backer. Keyberry Muffin, thank you so much for your support. You, along with our other patrons, have got us well on our way to covering our hosting costs. Thank you all so much. If you want to help us out, you can head on over to patreon.com slash so says media. Patrons get access to exclusives like Patreon-exclusive episode cuts and an Animal Parade supercut from the Chicks with Dice bloopers that's in progress. You can also help us out with one-time support over at coffee.com slash sosasmedia with a link in the show notes. If you're not able to support us financially, you can still help us out by telling a friend about the podcast. Telling a friend is recommended by 100% of doctors surveyed. Hi, I'm Dr. Ashley, and I recommend this podcast. Sample size, one doctor of philosophy specializing in astronomy. Also, a quick note about the rest of the episode. We discovered in recording episode 13 that, on top of his usual borderline offensive opinions, Bob G has expressed some really racist views. We feel that it would be extremely harmful to continue platforming him at all. We'll be removing the Bob G segment from this and future episodes. Now, let's get back to some unsound theories. Tell me what this fucking movie is about. Oh god, I've got to pull up the Wikipedia instead of cross-stitching, don't I? Yeah. Okay. Predestination is a 2014 Australian science fiction thriller written and directed by Michael and Peter Spearig. Film stars Ethan Hawke, Sarah Snook, and Noah Taylor. It's based on the 1959 short story All You Zombies by Robert A. Heinlein. The plot is as follows. <coughs> As a time-traveling agent is trying to disarm a bomb, he is confronted by a person who tries to stop him, and an exchange of gunfire takes place between them. During this time, the time-traveling 
agent manages to reach the bomb again to disarm it. The bomb explodes and burns his face. Someone approaches him and helps him grasp his time travel device, which transports him to the hospital in the future. While the agent is recovering from facial reconstruction, it's revealed that he had been trying to prevent the attack of the so-called Frizzle Bomber in New York in 1975. After his recovery, he receives his last assignment. The agent moves to 1970s New York. As a bartender, he starts a conversation with one of the customers. The customer, John, writes true confession articles under the pen name The Unmarried Mother. This pseudonym is explained by his own life story, which he tells the bartender. Born a female, the customer grew up as Jane in an orphanage. She excelled in her studies, but had difficulty fitting in. Jane decided any children she had would be raised with a proper family and thus avoided relationships. As an adult, she applied for a program called Space Corp, which promised women the chance to go to space while providing astronauts with intimate R&R, but she was later disqualified because of a medical condition. Oh, whiff. Become a prostitute for these astronauts. Yikes. That's not fair to prostitutes. Prostitutes are good people. That explains the fucking interview process. Yeah, that fucking man. God. Cis man. The actual worst? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially in the 70s. God, like toxic masculinity just sucks. Yeah, that... She was later disqualified because of a medical condition which had never before been revealed to each other, but which greatly interested a man named Robertson. Jane later bumped into a man who said he was waiting for someone. The two eventually fell in love with each other, but one day the man disappeared. In time, Robert approaches Jane, revealing that the Space Corp was really part of the temporal agency. The agency now wanted to recruit her. They broke off contact when it was discovered that Jane was pregnant with her ex-lover's baby. While performing a cesarean section, doctors discovered that Jane was intersex with internalized male sex organs as well as female sex organs. This explains some things. Complications during the birth forced them to remove her female sex organs. She was then forced to... Oh, God, this is going to have to have so many trigger warnings. Undergo a gender reassignment and begin living as a man. Oh, no. God damn. Fuck. Shit ass. So, yeah, no, there's a there's going to be a trigger warning for intersex, like intersex surgery, forced intersex surgery. God damn it. Fuck. Shit ass. Why? Because cis people and fucking. Not that intersex people have to identify as trans, but like, for fuck's sake, come on. Like, there, I know plenty of trans intersex people who would be equally appalled by this. Don't perform, don't perform non-consenting surgery on people. Yeah, don't just. It shouldn't be a thing. Like, if someone is a person who thinks with their brain about the issue, they would decide. Oh. Let's not do that. And yet, and yet, it still happens. Furthermore, the baby was stolen by a mysterious man. Ever since, Jane, who now goes by John, has been living a bitter life, writing as the fictional, writing fiction as, quote, unmarried mother. The agent offers to take John back in time to the day that Jane met the man who would later become her lover and leave her so John can take revenge and kill the man for ruining his parentheses jane's life in return john will take over the agent's job for whatever duration he wishes the agent reveals his time travel device to jump to that day in 1963 john intends to kill his past lover 
prior to the moment when the lover first meets Jane. While waiting, John encounters Jane and they begin talking. John realizes that he is the man who who becomes Jane's lover. The baby is born from quote self. The How baby would he not born from this self fertilization is stolen. I don't know. The baby born from this self-fertilization is stolen by the agent who uses a time machine to take the baby to the orphanage 18 years earlier in 1945. Therefore, Jane, John, and their baby are the same person, revealing a predestination paradox. The agent goes to 1975 New York, where he helps the burned man from the beginning of the film. The agent returns to 1963, a few months after he dropped John off. He convinces John that John must leave Jane behind and uses the machine to take them both to the temporal agency. John now takes over the agent's job so the agent can retire in 1975 New York, close to the day of the Frizzle Bomber's attack. Upon arrival, the agent's time travel device does not decommission itself as planned and can still be used. He has been ordered to check a laundrette at the moment the Frizzle Bomber will be there. The Frizzle Bomber turns out to be the agent's own future self, now suffering from psychosis as a result of excessive time travel. The Frizzle Bomber insists that his actions have saved and will save more lives than the lives lost, that they ultimately led to the reinforcement of the temporal agency. He tries to convince the agent that the only way to end the cycle is for the agent to spare his life. The agent denies he will ever become the Frizzle Bomber and kills his future self. The film finally reveals that in 1975, John is the man who traveled to New York and was burned while disarming the bomb. His subsequent facial reconstruction significantly changes appearance, and it's now clear that Jane, John, the agent, and the Frizzle Bomber are all the same person. The agent's creation was orchestrated by Robertson to create an agent who has no ties to time. The temporal agent was responsible for both his own conception and death. He has driven the predestination paradox to its limit. Okay. So we pretty much fucking nailed it. Yeah. God, we're so good at this. I know, right? God damn. Like, we're too good at this now. We've gotten a little too good at this. We, um, the thing is, like, we caught on to, uh, like, important plot bits that even the, like, director and writers of the movie didn't know themselves. Right? Like, the neck drug stuff. Exactly. Um, do we want to look at the awards that it won? Yes, we do. Okay. Um, before I read through this... Do you think it won best sound related anything uh, in any of the award categories it was nominated for? There's absolutely zero chance. Okay. Cause there was a while there where Emma was giving us movies that were nominated for like best sound directing. Yeah. But then we figured it out and she had to stop. She abandoned her like series of movies that were interconnected. I, I wonder what that plot was supposed to be. Unless we're still on it. Maybe we I don't are know. still on it. I do know that we are supposed to be watching a Bollywood movie soon, and I'm very excited for that. Yeah. That's going to be good. Okay, so um, the Australian Academy of Cinema and Television Awards. It was nominated for Best Film, Best Direction, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Actress, Best Cinematography, Best Editing, Best Original Score, Best Production Design, Best Costume Design. It won Best Actress, Best Cinematography, Best Editing, and Best Production Design. It was also nominated for AFCAs, which are Australian Film Critics Association Awards, 
where it was nominated for Best Film, Best Director, Best Screenplay, Best Actress, Best Cinematography. It won none of them. It was also nominated for an Australian Cinematographer's Society Award, which it won for... It won the Award of Distinction. Oh. The Award of Distinction. Um, it won three, four? Four Film Critics of Australia Awards. Best Production Design, Best Actress... No, I miscounted. Best Production Design, Best Editing, Best Actress, and that's it. It also won three awards at the Toronto After Dark Film Festival. Special Award for Best Sci-Fi Film, Special Award for Best Screenplay, and Audience Award for Best Feature Film, Second Place. Huh. Okay. So, critical response. Rotten Tomatoes gives it an 83%, with an average rating of 6.9 out of 10. Sites Consensus stated, Fun genre fare with uncommon intelligence, Predestination serves a better-than-average sci-fi adventure and offers a, offers a star-making turn from Sarah Snook. Uh, blah blah blah. Variety called it a trancingly strange time travel saga that succeeds in teasing the brain and touching the heart, even when its twists and turns keep multiplying well past the point of narrative sustainability. <laughs> the lead character was variously described as transgender or intersex in different media articles, which like hachi machi. Yeah. It, don't conflate the two things. Being intersex and being trans. Different. Different. Are different. It's different. Yeah. There can be, like, coincidence of it. There are plenty of intersex trans people who are cool as fuck, but it's different. Yeah. Ethan Hawke told The Guardian that transgender issues are not the focal point of the film, but rather the narrative is relevant to all people. There's something about predestination that doesn't get at identity at all, for me, says Ethan Hawke. And, like, yeah, that's that's fair. I wouldn't call this, like, a specifically intersex or trans movie it's a sci-fi no. movie where the lead character happens to be intersex and also impregnate themselves yeah okay do we have amazon reviews to read we have some amazon reviews there's some fucking good ones okay amazon customer gives this two stars with a review titled wtf spoiler WTF did I just watch? Like some have stated, this is very original because no one is messed up enough to make something like this. This can be summed up as unrealistic time travel where a guy both man and women, same person, goes back to screw herself to make a child that he steals and takes back to the past to become the person that they are. This multi-charter is so vain that they can only love themselves and lives obsessing over their and lives obsessing over their former self. Oh, then they go around blowing people up. That feels very dismissive of people dealing with intersex conditions in a way that I'm not comfortable yes. with. Especially Don't. for someone who watched the movie with sound on, so had it explained to them? Exactly. Uh, this review is by a user named By Rant or Ruin Truth. <laughs> this movie is about a mind trip and a personality splintered by self-deceit. Wonky, wonky movie. I have no idea what that really means, but dog it anyway. Okay, here goes in one breath. 
This movie is a mind trip splintered by self-deceit and personal mistrust of generally anything about yourself because it could be you messing you up. And if it is you who is messing you up and lying to you to get into your own pants and who slept with you, then who are you really? Was it really you or someone that was you or might be you that threw you to the dogs and enjoyed a lap dance while you suffered mightily until you became the you that came after you to stop you from being, well, you, of course. And finally, the best review of this movie I've ever read... from Charlie Duran, titled, well, the title is just the first sentence. So, this review reads, Ah! Mind-bending derangement! You know those Russian dolls? The fat ones? Well, you take the lid off the first doll and peer inside. Just another doll. But then, once you've separated all of them, you realize that the last doll is actually bigger than the first doll because you're in it. The whole time, you have been lowering yourself into a trap that you cannot escape from. You must now live out your doll destiny. I warned you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't have anything to add to that one. (laughs) Oh my god. Do we wanna do we wanna bring this baby home so that I can turn my air conditioning on so I'm not dying? Because I think that's part of why I'm so loopy this episode. I am loopy because I had to start going to work again. Fucking work. Capitalism has destroyed me. Okay, is is that all we have to say about this movie? Thanks for listening. I'm my own dad. (laughs) And I'm my own mom. (laughs) (laughs) Unsound Theories is a production of So Says Media. We're moving our Twitter account. Follow us on Twitter at So Says Media. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. Comedy is best enjoyed together. All music on this episode was created by Sounds Like an Earful. Visit soundslikeanearful.com for more. Until next time, thanks for listening.